Hi everyone. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that you can now support Crisis Twink with a small monthly donation to help support future episodes and operating costs. There's absolutely no pressure to do this. Culture Pig and Crisis Twink will always be free, but any and all donations are highly appreciated. If you go to the show notes in whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, there should be a link marked listener support, and you can choose to contribute however much you want in just an easy monthly donation. So if that is something that you want to do, which you know, I mean, very chic look for you to do that. Very sexy, very cool to be financially generous. Come on, sugar daddy. Yes. Yes, God. Hunty slunty sleigh, I say. Um, it would be really nice if you did it. So, And it is very unhinged to be doing this. And everything I just said for the past like 10 seconds is so unhinged. But uh, yeah, absolutely try doing a donation if you can. Thanks. And on with the show. Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that urgently needs to be discussed or you will die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. It is a historic moment in crisis twink history as we have a returning guest. It's fan favorite television writer, political commentator, and Italian-American excellence, Tower Danucci. Hi. Hey, Drew. It's House of Coochie 2, The Clumps. The Clumps. <laughs> And we do need to be very honest about the fact that we are re-recording this episode because the first time when we talked two days ago, I just flat out forgot to record the Zoom. It was an hour and a half of just banter that was so funny. And then the text I got from you afterwards, I, I couldn't stop laughing. I mean, I'm immediately, like, I... Like, I mean, as many people know and can intuit, I do this via Zoom. So like the tech setup is not that hard. I literally need to hit one button, record this meeting. And yet, and yet, just didn't do it this time. So like I exited out of the Zoom. I was waiting for like the like inevitable 25 minute loading process it takes to get this like into Audacity or whatever. And that's how the sausage is made for any audio files out there. Um, and it didn't happen. And I click, I just like was smashing my keyboard with a hammer to see if something would happen. Nothing. Well, we're back again. We're back again. Um, and you're just going to have to imagine what we talked about on the last episode of Crisis Twink. Though our central segment will remain the same today. But there is one topic I do want to talk to you about that we dove into last time at length. And that is just the state of Lady Gaga. Like we're recording this the week that the Chromatica remix album is dropping. Yeah. And we had a very fruitful conversation about what you thought and what I thought her most consistent era is. And I'd like you to just speak on that. 
So let me just let, speak on that. Um, let me just set the stage a little bit for uh, what we were actually discussing. Um, Drew, Drew asked me if, uh, you know, pick, like tear the community apart, pick uh, uh, sweep us, sweep us, sweep it a psycho by Miss Max, or just dance by Gaga. And I said just dance. Um, and this sort of segued into a conversation that I had been talking about with some friends the other day, which was what is the most consistent era for Gaga, right? Like what, what album of hers do we think has delivered the most consistent amount of bops, quality, slaps, however you wish to define consistency? Um, I am of the opinion that that is the Born This Way era. Um, and that is because I think that Born This Way has the highest highs of, has mo has my, my two, probably my favorite Gaga songs on it. Um, which are? And which um, I think if I had to pick like Edge of Glory, I think is my number one. Mm -hmm. Like that's the worst video that she's ever put on. And apparently there's a whole backstory on it. Like I know the guy that was originally cast in what was supposed to be the original video for it. And then something happened. Did he die? No, maybe. I know something was supposed to be like in it. Okay. And then it just like didn't, I don't know what. Yeah. For a different day. It's a terrible video. Um, but I also think like the so-called lows on Born This Way also aren't that bad. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I feel like that is her, it was like the perfect mix of like, pop but also some experimental like music as well yeah um I, I i don't think the fame i think the fame is great i don't know if she necessarily had like found herself yet and some of the songs in there are like necessarily lit like uh uh necessarily like age well um not the big ones like yeah sort of like, like the like the the also rans um but that was my take see i i think i Mm, I, I would say it's probably the fame monster for me, though the fame is a close number two, if only because fame monster does not have any bad songs on it, which to me is like the batting average. I mean, it's a thousand batting a hundred is bad in baseball batting a thousand. Now that's when you're cooking with gas, <laughs> but there's one bad song on the fame, which is brown eyes, as I've said before on this podcast. I lost episode. I think the highs are better. The highs are really high on art pop and born this way, but the lows to me, like I do think there are just because they're more like swing for the fences albums, like I think there are more strikeouts. And I don't know why I'm using all these baseball metaphors for talking about Gaga, like. Look, I say, I, I, I just think I just think Mary the Night's a total home run. Oh, it's a home run. There are <laughs> Sorry, so like, many home runs. <laughs> there so are. Many home there, runs. there are. But like I think like I don't care about songs like um the Queen. I guess I'm going into the deluxe version now or whatever. So you, but like, you think the Queen's a bit of a strikeout? The Queen is a strikeout. Um the high no, I, I like, hi, I mean, Highway Unicorn Road to Love, I think is fine. It's like a hit by pitch. Like you get to take a base, but <laughs> I, it kind of hurt. Ouch. I think also this gets to like um, sort of my my issue with Chromatica, speaking of like the remix album that's coming out, is that 
I think the more that I've listened to it, the more I haven't liked it as much, um, which is not usually, which is an interesting emotional like roller coaster to go through. Yeah. Um, because I was not a Joanne fan. I I don't think jo- like I, I appreciate Joanne for what it is, but it's it's it was not my it was not for me. Um, yeah. That's not to say it's it's bad. Just was not for me. Um, so I was really happy for this return to form. Um, and I think I was so jazzed that it was this, you know, sort of return to like poppy, um, like club songs that I, it's a lot of eight out of tens. Yeah. And there are very few songs on there where I'm like, this is a 10 out of 10. This is like, this is my applause. This is my edge of glory. This is my, you know, like, yeah you know, take, take your pick, right? And so I, it was missing that, like, as I said before in the last episode, which we'll have to one day redo on your, the 20th anniversary of Crisis Twink at the right. Valley <laughs> Center. Um, uh, I just, it's like maybe Rain On Me comes closest, but like, ugh, it's missing that, like, that yeah. grand slam, that grand slam. I think for me, like the trifecta of Rain on Me, 911, and Sour Candy come yeah. the closest. But I can also see a world in which the re, well, maybe not Rain on Me, but I can see a world in which the remix album improves on all of them. And they did post a shy girl who's on the, um, the Sour Candy remix posted a little 15 second snippet today. It's her and Miramasa during doing the remix. And it sounds unbelievable so like songs that felt like kind of like paint by numbers dance pop but like good well executed dance pop could conceivably be like at the heights of like born this way art pop era experimentalism now just with a little bit of like tweaking and stuff i um i have a remix i have both sour candy and a remix of sour candy on my workout playlist Mm -hmm. um you can't see me right now but i am (laughs) This is definitely not my work clothes. These are definitely right. my work clothes I'm in right now. <laughs> We're both in like, I mean, I am not, I'm in my like, um, what's Popeye's skinny friend? Olive oil? Bushy? I, yeah. Lady olive friend, I'm in my, oil, I'm in yeah. my like Shelly Duvall TikTok right now. Like that's, I, I'm <laughs> not, I'm not filling your, this out. But. You're in your way, Farrah. Um, I, uh, I have a, I have a, but I have a remix of Sour Candy and it's on my, on my workout playlist and it's that a friend gave me and it's just, it's significantly better in almost mm-hmm. every way. Like, can see, like from start to finish, like, could, like is just a fully better song. Um, so I'm curious to, and I, I love Blackpink. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm Rose, I'm, I'm a Rose girl. Not- Are you excited for the Lisa solo album? Okay, I don't like yes, yes. Okay, I okay. also like Lisa. All right? I, right, I like all of them, but like I, I think Rose is who, like I just like I don't know why I connected with her. So we much. had a very nice communal moment to on the ground a few months ago while we were in Palm Springs. So it was just like it was is, like levitating. On the ground is so good. Yeah, it's incredible. Because I don't like the Jenny solo music at all, but. The Rosé one was, like, such a nice return of form. And I do think that the Lisa one's going to be so, so good. I also like that Jinsu is not. Has, like, has Jinsu put out, a, like, anything? A solo, anything no, like she will. I know they're trying to do them with all four, but they've been so weirdly spaced out because there was, like, a two-and-a-half-year gap, I think, between Jenny's and Rosé's because Rosé's was this year, too. Right. And then now they're doing Lisa again. So maybe in another six months we'll get 
GCU. I think it's nice. That, I think it's a good idea they're letting them do that just because I think it gets like that like creative like you're like I think probably a lot of the issues that a lot of these especially put together groups have um as they were known back in my day yeah um uh was that they don't really like you don't really feel like you have a lot of creative freedom outside of these people right and so I think allowing that creative access um outside of the confines of the group I think is a really smart idea yeah a lot of k-pop like guy groups have been doing that for I don't know like five years now just about and it's been a good strategy for success for them and also like just from a business standpoint like you make more money when you're putting out more music like k-pop release strategies are so um like at the end of the day these groups are not releasing that much music at once so you kind of have to just like maximize opportunities however you can I don't know. I remember you were at Coachella two years ago, right? When Blackpink yep. was there. Oh yeah. my God. I remember a friend of the pod, Jack Dodge, was like joking the whole weekend about how he didn't know how Blackpink was even going to fill like a two hour set because they only had like 10 NMP, songs. Right? Yeah. It was truly <laughs> one of the greatest performances. <laughs> I also I like, I mean, I had a little help in terms of my mood, but right. um, I, but like, I, uh, <laughs> it was truly one of the greatest things I've ever It was seen. pure spectacle. Like, I actually could not believe, like, I, I thought, I knew it was going to be good, but like the combination of actual live excellent vocals and the dancing and the whole, like, the boom by ah of it all, if you will, like, it just, it was like, the rumba pum pum, every pum was hidden. Every tremendously and just like the way in which like it started with like in this like very campy like all of their faces like almost like when you get a new character in smash bros right and like it puts it's like their picture with their names strewn across yeah (laughs) all of their pictures go up one by one with them like (laughs) like like saluting it's like yeah rose jenny and it was just it was so over the top and then all the background dancers were like were dressed like uh toy soldiers yeah I think. and it was amazing it was confusing imagery but i i enjoy it's one of the I, that weekend is such a blur and you do see so many performances back to back to back to back at coachella like it's a testament to how good they were that that is easily still the standout of my weekend that weekend for me i think that and maggie were Maggie Rogers. Oh yeah, Maggie was really good. Matt and Rico Nasty was really good too because we moshed in the pit, which was fun. There you go. Yeah. Um, okay, we gotta move on to our first segment. We're gonna play Go Call the Governor. So we have a returning player here, but for uh new listeners, I'm gonna just explain the rules really quickly. Tyler, I'm gonna present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history. And you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. There are no wrong answers, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? You ready to play? I'm ready, I'm ready to like call the pharaoh at one point. Oh, you might. We got a big week for that. So you okay, might all right, need great. to. Okay. First one, probably an easy one. Sweet green CEO says vaccines won't save us, but salad might. Does the governor need to be called? Absolutely. Yeah. Also, I just learned apparently he had he had this um he had a fundraiser at his place. And I guess Barry Weiss was one of the guest speakers there, ranting oh. against uh the squad. Um Barry Weiss, not a friend of the pod. Not um, a friend of the pod at all. 
and her ex-girlfriend Kate McKinnon maybe also not a friend of the pod. Wild, <laughs> wild, truly wild. One of my favorite weird like lesbian relationships like in in pop culture. Yeah, um, sinister. I, I look. I'm not a, like I don't. I think you can like the, the the thing about sweet green that's nice is that and I'm not like a sweet green person very mm-hmm. often. Um, is that like you know exactly what's going in it right like you know like you can pick you can make your whatever bowl you want right sure great it's right. not the only make your own salad place in america right it's just one of the more expensive ones it's also a bit ubiquitous so like you know what you're getting if you're in a different different city or whatever every time you're yeah. walking into one um I, look like this i like if you were listening and you live in like the palisades or santa monica or venice or what have you and you're like and you like are adjacent to this like woohoo culture of like of of naturalism sort of like west side naturalism that's the reason we yeah. had a people's out- outbreak a few a few like a few years ago you like we need to figure out what's going on like a full and complete shutdown on Birkenstocks and like natural like crystal energy crystals until we can figure we're, out we're cutting off access to the woo woo until we've we've have a solution here i am like i like i i'm i'm i've been into like i mean full disclosure like worked and spent many 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 years in vermont mm-hmm. um which is like one of the crunchy capitals of america yeah i i, I find woohoo culture and natural like in like in like all natural culture so disturbing um yeah. like i i've been doing this thing where like i've been looking at vegan restaurants that have put um have decided to check for vaccinations um before you can eat there and looking at the comments on their instagram posts and it's yeah. absolutely wild you it's, see these people it's yeah. wild like i would not be shocked like i mean not to get to like la inside baseball about it but like i would not be shocked if places like creation organic and like I mean, Erewhon. Do we know if Erewhon's? Well, it was Crossroads. There was Crossroads. Yeah, I wouldn't be. Crossroads does not shock me at all. Like, there is just something about, especially like, not to offend the vegan ex listeners here, but like, there is something about like vegan and vegetarian culture that really lends itself to anti vax stuff. And, but it's interesting to me that like sweet green, sweet green is basically just like Chick fil A, but for salad. Like, I don't understand how, it's just, it's just salad. It's not like wellness necessarily, it's just salad. So I'm really interested in how like this guy who's like peddling like these like 900 calorie salads is like eat, eat, eat the like smoking hot, creamy quinoa kale bowl. That will fix your bronchitis. Like that doesn't make sense to me. I think there's a direct, like I've spent, an inordinate amount of time thinking about this and I'm happy to do a complete like an entire 90 minute podcast about wellness culture there is a direct line from wellness culture to anti-science anti-vax movements and part of it is the way in which we think about the word natural right like they did this study once where they gave they gave people two sets of water right they're like this one is natural this one's been filtered right or this one's been like touched or whatever and they, they're effectively touched. not touched. Touch well, it's touched the, water. The Put my little described, fingers in it. The way they described it was like completely benign. And, yeah. and and it's been a while. It's been a little bit since I've read the studies. So like 
it's it, it was the way it was discussed like it was described one was basically like this is from the earth and the other one was like well this has been you know treated with some things right not like chlorine but like normal things you would put in water right and effectively they have the same ph almost the and almost the exact same um like chemical structure and they said this to these these people people almost always chose the the uh the natural water right, right. because the idea we've ascribed this idea that something being natural is better yeah right? exactly <laughs> Like the along the way, there's been this weird conflation between like something being healthy and nutritious with it being a cure-all. Like there's a yeah. difference between eating healthfully and eating nutritiously and like healing yourself. And it's I, upkeep versus cure. And I think I think where the where it starts <laughs> to get obscured is where this starts to like if you're someone that thinks that things that are natural are always, and this is like a big thing with GMOs, like I'm, I don't give a shit about GMOs um, because I've, like genetic, like breeding for bigger kernels and corn is genetically modifying the corn, right? right? Like, and, and like that's been done for hundreds of years. And I know I'm going to get an email or a DM streaming me about this, but like, I'm right, you're wrong, shut up. Um, and the idea, though, that you're saying that like something's been modified by genetics, it sounds scary. Oh, so yeah, it sounds like fucking Dr. Moreau is coming in and like injecting your corn with a syringe, which is exactly. not what's happening. So it makes it seem like, and even if that is what they're doing, like it's it's benign, right? Yeah. And so the idea, and it's been done for centuries, just on a smaller scale. And so this idea that something is natural right now we were completing this idea of like if any medicine that like medicine ma natural medicine is better than um better than um like like pharmaceutical medicine right mm -hmm. and so now we're like you can see how you start to conflate those issues as well right with like what's natural and what's not and suddenly you're in this world thanks to like robert like f kennedy jr yeah where you're like and you know what's her bucket um cheryl Jenny hines Carthy, uh, what oh he's married to cheryl hines did you know that ew yeah whether ew. or not cheryl hines like is her. An, me too i don't know if she's an anti-vaxxer and i that's i think about that a lot ew but yes jenny mccarthy is and like, like Jessica Beale and all these people. Yeah, and like, like this idea where they probably like this idea of like naturalism is now extended to medicine. Yeah. And that's where things can get really tricky. They can. Um, and this is how you get a bunch of anti-vaxxers like with menstrual blood on these, like on the Senate floor, uh, like the Senate gallery of the California legislature pouring menstrual blood on state senators to like to pro to protest them tightening the restrictions, the exemptions that go like for vaccines for children right yeah um that happened three years ago three or four years ago it's psycho and um, the symbolism of that act does not really logically compute if you think about it for even a second not but one not one bit because like i saw that they poured blood and i was like oh where'd they get the blood is it pig's blood and then they're like it's human's blood Pussy it's blood. Immense, and it was like menstrual blood and i was like oh my god um oh. i anyways so we are what was the original? What do we call it? What, what's oh oh yeah, sweet green. That sweet was green. it. Yeah, we're calling the governor. We're okay. not sweet green. You can get your salad somewhere else. Yeah, Mendocino Farms. Yeah, here. go to Mendo. Go to Mendo. Do, I mean, don't go to Tender Greens though. I I hate Tender Greens. Don't go to Tender Greens. I we're going like to Mendo it. if you live in LA. If you 
live anywhere else, just go outside and like shake a tree and then see what falls down and eat that. So, all right, we're moving on to number two. Olivia Jade is joining Dancing with the Stars. Does the governor need to be called? <laughs> One, I did not know that until about a second ago. It got announced maybe 20 minutes ago. Oh my God. Isn't that electric? Yes. Yeah, that's so fucked up. Right? I love it. I, I mean, yeah, it is. Like, it doesn't mean, I I, like, we live in a consequence. It isn't her fault for what her parents did. Is it not, though? I feel like it's, like, crazily she, enough. It's, like, a little bit. It's a little her fault. Like, it's she complicit. Had to, she had to have known something, right? Yeah. I just, I personally um, find, I guess I find that a little gross. Um, you know, like, I, like Dancing with the Stars, sometimes they all, like putting Bristol Palin on there, like there is a grossness to sometimes the type of like stunt casting they do. Yeah, it um, feels very like National Enquirer to fair. do. It's, yeah, it's, it's weird, it, like, preying on like the tabloid stuff and like offering like dancing as a form of redemption is a little they do this a lot too because remember they had like on tom what's his name on you know who i'm talking about tom delay oh tom delay was on dance like sean spicer's been on like they do this a lot did i make that up who has did Carol Baskin go? Yeah, Carol this? Baskin has. Like, they always do these kind of, like, weird people who are, like... Gross. It's, like, really gross. I don't know. There's something about, like, I get that it's not most... Was not her fault. Um, Like, she was not the one who come up with, came up with the scheme. Yeah. Right? Um, but there is something about, like... And she was famous, to be clear, before this. Right? Yeah. And not just for her own influence. She influenced... She was an influencer, right? YouTube makeup was that yeah it? she like beauty, beauty beauty guru I guess so like I guess like from that standard like certainly she was she had a name for herself beforehand mm-hmm. but the idea that like okay you're in the news now because your parents um got caught cheating to get you into a, a great school do you yeah. want to go and dance with the stars it's just kind of gross it is I don't know. like I don't like it we live in a consequenceless society and it's really crazy how this show just repeatedly keeps casting these like controversial people. Like, I mean, it's like ballroom clickbait basically. And it sucks because we were talking in the last episode about how cool it was that Jojo Siwa was coming on and getting to dance with a female partner for the first time in the show's history. But then to add like, like, I want to see JoJo and Olivia perversely in conversation with each other. Like, that's I, interesting to me. But... Do, we have, do we have to watch every single episode of Dancing with the Stars and become the biggest JoJo Siwa stands and just, like, and become, what are her fans called? Uh, I don't know. I'll, I've, I've never had a seven-year-old guest on this podcast. So <laughs> otherwise, otherwise I'll, have my, I'll have my little cousin come on next week and she can talk about it. Um right. I don't, I mean, like, I, I will definitely stream those clips. I will, like, do the hashtag. I'll get it trending. I'll do what I can. But, like, I you cannot make me watch that show, especially considering the other, I think the other cast member who got announced today is um, 
the new their most recent bachelor what's his name okay. the black republican I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a member of bachelor nation okay i'm not really either but he's a black republican and i was like okay like i get um, you have to be representative in culture and like cast like republicans and you've literally had sean spicer on and anthony scaramucci and all these people like i whatever but like i um jojo siwa fans for the record are called siwanators oh um, sure um that's not a good name that's siwanators why is it almost nader too because like arianator so which is a horrible name arianator is bad <laughs> i mean the worst to me is jesse j's what are um, they they're her i think they're called her uh, her heartbeats because they're they're what keep her going oh i, I love that like, Wait, i love that because i keep her going i'm a heartbeat i um i if i i, I uh they're called yeah the heartbeats. Oh my god! I always so wanted funny. Rita Ora, Rita Ora fans to be called the Oracles because they always saw her success coming. And I, I would absolutely consider myself an Oracle here. <laughs> Unfortunately, they are called the Rita Bots, and the Rita Bots, which is so much worse. It's cr- it's like Dada surreal, and so good though. At the same time, like of course, like this like niche weird bizarre pop star has like this niche weird bizarre stand name like it had it couldn't be anything else like, it's like the uncanny valley of, of stand names also, oh yeah rita ora if you are listening or if you are some faggot that knows rita ora um my friends are getting my friends pat and kevin are getting married next april on the 23rd or 24th um i need you to perform at their wedding so please reach out you, my DMs are open, and please get in touch with me about performing at Pat and Kevin's gay wedding in Los Angeles. Did you know time. I've met her once? I, where? At work. So, I mean, for, I used to work for her label, um, and she came into the office one day, and I never worked on her accounts or anything, but she did come up to my desk, and she asked me, where's the bathroom? And I said, that way. <laughs> and that's, isn't that a bit a, a touching encounter with a fan? And you've been, you've been an oracle ever since. I have been clanging pots and pants in the street for like, I mean, since she debuted, basically, like, it's been, it's been almost 10 years of read a, read a bot nation for me planning my flag okay we have to get to this third one um and the final one because we have a lot i'm no we're gonna go long on this one rupaul's drag race all Stars season six does the governor need to be called we are recording this on the eve of the finale absolutely not we are not calling the governor okay. absolutely not I, I think i mostly agree with you i have been I, I I know that there are some people who are like, I don't think this is as good of a season of Drag Race because I don't think these these like, these like queens are as talented. I think you're wrong. Um, I agree with that. I, I do, I think you're incorrect. I think one of the things about having seen every single season of Drag Race, except for Thailand, which I'm trying to make my way through now, if there was an easy way that they put it up season one online, um, I think one of the most frustrating things about All Stars specifically is how produced it is. And not just all reality shows are produced for the record. All reality shows have story producers. 
Um, but you have seen the hand of the producers in almost it so so very like very harshly in every single All Stars probably since All Stars two, and also going into every single All Stars, I probably could tell you one of the two people who would win. Right, like in All Stars one, it was obviously going to be Chad. Right, going in like. In, in All-Stars 2, you're like, okay, this is probably going to be Alaska. In All-Stars 3, you're like, I could see Shangela or Trixie winning going yeah. in. You know, All-Stars 4, um, you're like, okay, like... 4 was more of a toss-up. 4 was like, more of a toss-up. Yeah, 4 was a toss-up. Um, but 5, it's like Shay. Oh, Shay, yeah. Shay in a walk. Shay, this... I could not have called this top 4. No, me top. neither. Going, I, I think... I figured that ginger in eureka would be there in some capacity i thought but like raja and kylie have been such a welcome great surprise i thought the whole cast i mean honestly every single one of the people on this season except serena cha-cha was very memorable and was like fun to watch like even jiggly who was second out i love her okay well i'm a cha-cha-rena okay um... sorry apologies to the cha-cha-rena community it's the Chacharina Nation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, apologies for perpetuating Chacharina erasure on this podcast tonight. Chacharina had Serena Chacha. I was about to call her Chacharina. Serena Chacha had the. If you if you haven't seen Drag Race season five, you should watch Drag Race season five because up until Lala Ree's bag dress, Chacha, uh, Serena Chacha had without any question the worst dress that has ever been on Drag Race. Um, it's, that's it, I, the first episode one. The first episode yeah. where she looks like Pinocchio getting um, like who is Oof. getting with like, a, like <laughs> Pinocchio like, with a boa around her neck. It's yeah. absurd and it's iconic, um, but not in the way that Lala Ree sort of made it iconic. It's it's like, it's- it, To Lala Ree's credit, hers is 10 times worse than the previous worst dress. That's how like iconically awful Lala Reese is. Like just un like you can see a little bit of thought. It's demented thought, but there is thought in Serena Chacha's garment. But the bags, because the bags, the bags, the bags. I like the the look that Nicole Byer had on her face when Lollarie walked out was so good. And she made such a good point that it was like, she made that in the same time it took Utica to make that. Like the like, Montclair sleeping bag like, dress. Incredible. Like, um, but the best thing about Serena Chacha is that, and that why that dress is so funny is that Serena Chacha spends the entire episode talking about how she went to design school. Yeah. And how, how erudite she is and how smart she is. Um, and then they basically spend the entire untucked, basically like shitty on her in the way that when they still like bullying people a little more and untucked, it is oh, really it far. is systematic bully. And then they're like, we all deserve to be here except for Serena. It, if and you then, have not seen this, like you need to go on to <laughs> I guess it's on Paramount Plus now. Like you got to go watch it. It's it's it is the golden age of drag race like arguably the peak of season five is arguably the peak of the golden age of drag race and you just gotta people people i think that i think the general take is that six is better than five but i think five is better i i think i think i agree with you i think five is better 
Bianca Del Rio is one of the best, was obviously like one of the greatest winners on the show. I think the storyline with Jinx, the queens on that show, Jinx, yeah. just her body of work since then. Jinx is one of my favorite queens of all time. Yeah. Um, it just, it, and the, the, it just stands out. That being said, back to All Star Six. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what we were talking about. I think it's been a. I think it's been a really strong season. Um, I think there's definitely been some times where, like, I have I've been a little bored. Like the acting challenge was. So crazy. yeah, this is my my. I think this cast is great and has worked out way better in practice than it maybe looked on paper. But the ch- some of these challenges are among the worst that like the producers have come up with. Like the pink table talk, horrible. The American Horror Story Challenge, horrible. Drag tots, almost unwatchable. Like with all the, like the product promo and stuff, like the final results were perfectly fine. But like, just like no one's gonna watch drag tots. Like it was just like relentless. That being said, I thought this last challenge with the vagina monologues thing, oh. I was I going into it, I was like, this is going to be so dumb. I loved it. I thought it was great. Interesting. See, um, I, I, did, I didn't really care for it that much just because I don't really like it when Rue makes them get intentionally kind of heartfelt, even though I know that's like what she loves to do. It's just not my favorite thing. I, I um, think something I do like, like I personally like it when you can mix heartfelt with humor. And I think like, that's why... I thought like they all did such a good job with that in a way yeah. that like like very few notes. Um, and I, I I really really enjoyed it. Um, there and there's been I I think like this this season has given us like look the game within a game was incredible one of my episode. favorite episodes of Drag Race ever. Yeah, like just absolutely incredible. Um, like the Laganja versus Trinity lip sync, it will go down as one of the best ever. Yeah, um, some of the looks this season, I just like I. I loved, I loved the queens. I loved seeing them interact. Um, mm-hmm. I loved seeing Raja like getting, like completely becoming a 180 from who she was. Oh yeah. I think only, that's who I want to win. I want Raja. I like, I have, I've met Kylie once and she was one of the, was one, if you ever get a chance to see Kylie Sneak Love mm-hmm. perform, go, do not walk, run. It's an incredible show. Um, I think she's been like such a joy to, and like yeah. every time I have been nervous about how she's going to do, she has gone above and beyond. Like, I, yeah, I have a that- sneaking suspicion she might win almost too, because like, I think this, this last challenge is what the like lip sync or not the lip sync. It's the, um, it's the song, they have to do the like, remix or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Remix. Like, I cannot believe that we've all been like, I don't remember in a previous segment, I almost said redemption instead of remix or, or instead of redemption. I almost said redemption instead of redemption. And we weren't even talking about drag race. Like that's like how like you were talking literally. About, I, you're, you're like, is Trump going to get his redemption in yeah. 2024? <laughs> Anthony Scaramucci just got redeemed. <laughs> And the game is um, the game. I think it could be Kylie. I think it, yeah. I think it's probably going to be Ginger or Raja. Just on paper, they have slightly better. Tackle. Yeah, they really want Ginger to win. I think, which I'd be <laughs> fine with. I just Eureka's not going to win, but like if Ginger wins, I'd be happy for Ginger. I, I, it it's one of those seasons where like I could make a case for all, any of them. It's probably except for Eureka, but like I still like to her credit, Eureka has annoyed me 
a lot on previous seasons. Oh, she's not annoying me at all. To- same here. Total 180. Like I also think something about Eureka that she did this season that I thought was so interesting. And I don't think she did it on purpose per se, but like it was an interesting thing to watch was that she almost always understood what the judges were looking for in the assignment. Like there was a few times where people were like getting mad about what the judges said. Mm-hmm. Like Jan and like and Eureka was like well that's not what they wanted they wanted you to do it was this type of challenge they wanted yeah. you to do this and it was so it showed such an interesting uh, like I think what a lot of queens do wrong on drag race is just fundamentally not understanding what the challenge is certainly there's some production aspects too that make it harder um but I think like with Jan being like, they wanted me to be a hundred, and then I was trying to be a hundred, and then I wasn't, and then you were being like, well, that that's not what the challenge was. No. So, like they wanted you to like, and so even if it's a good challenge, a bad challenge, I think she always understands the assignment, um, and I think that's it's really smart. Um, she Kylie, is really smart. Like she's just a very smart, professional, talented queen, and you can see why she gets so many professional opportunities outside of the show. Like. Like so we're much. here and stuff. Yeah. She's grown so much. I really, really enjoyed her this season. Um, I, I like, I still think one of the most impressive things though on this season was Kylie in the snatch game because when you're on there with Ginger, who's going to be, going to be funny. Yeah. Gonna like, she's no matter what she does, she's going to be funny. Right. Uh, I still think her Adele is low key. One of the best characters. On oh Saturday. yeah. It's great. And people don't talk about it nearly enough. Where are you from? My house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the season snap, seven snatch game is very good in general. Cause like even the safe Queens, like Pearl's big Ange is unbelievably good. Pearl's big Ange should have been the top. Even Violet's Alyssa Edwards is really funny too. Like. I, um, it, it is good. Yeah. I, I think that for her to have banter with the funniest queen and keep that ping pong going in a way that also was in character when you were not a comedian is so impressive. That would, that like, I was so happy in that moment to see her like succeed there. Um, And she also did Dolly. I mean, like as a character, basically perfectly, like focusing on like the folksy aphorisms and keeping it like really like sweet, but also like, homespun like Bob Evans funny is like the way to do that and that's playing the game right there too like it was just it was just a litany of really smart choices um I don't know if she'll win I like I have a sneaking suspicion it'll be it'll be ginger um yeah with Raja, I, I would be over the moon if Raja won. Yeah, like, it seems I like I, it seems like Raja's the consensus like fan favorite, at least yeah. from what I've seen. And who could have seen that in the great no. All Stars? Who would have seen that coming when the cast was announced? Because I really liked her on season eleven, like, but she wasn't like great at the show necessarily. But yeah, I mean, she just came back like. Her attitude's so completely different to, like, she's not, like, no one's really, like, trying to bait her in the same way that I think, like, All-Stars 2 did with, like, Roxy and trying to get her to snap. Or, like, how this season definitely tried to, like, psychologically torment Jan until she, like, shot up the studio. But we didn't get, we didn't get there. We didn't get, Raja just came off as a sweetheart this season. Like, I... The, the thing that must be really frustrating about Drag Race too is that if I want to be a drag queen, 
Um, and I do, and my drag name is Amber Elert. Uh, and my workroom entrance line is, I heard you were looking for me. Um, I, um, but that doesn't mean I want to be on a reality show. Right, you know, right. Like, but like, just, okay. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Just, just because I want to be a drag queen doesn't mean I want to put myself in front of a national audience in order totally. to be like, so I, it must be a lot of pressure for these girls to feel like in order to further my career, I have to do this thing I might not want to do or be good at. Exactly. Um, and so not everyone's meant to be on a reality show. I would not be very good on a reality show. Um, so I, cause I'm, I'm too impulsive and angry, I think sometimes. Um, and I just don't think, I think you could edit me in a way that would probably be like, not like make me like not be good for my career. Um, so I'd be nervous. And so I think for, for, for Raja, I think she learned a lot of the lessons that she had to learn about, like how to, about being on TV. And she just seems like a completely different person. I fully agree with all that. I mean, it's just, not to use this word, but it's textbook redemption. <laughs> textbook, like dictionary definition. It's, it's the home run of redemption. <laughs> Go back to our baseball metaphors. A grand slam. And with that, um, we do have to take a break and we will be right back. And we are back. Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Tyler, you are a two-time emergency room visitee. What are you rushing today? I am calling Tarsum, the director of the 911 video. Because mm -hmm. I want to talk about OnlyFans. Um, I specifically want to talk about the five days in which OnlyFans decided to ban explicit content on their platform not say exactly what that meant, and then only to reverse themselves five days later. An abject fiasco that caused like just so much consternation in the community, everyone's community, really. I mean, like, just unreal. And, and there's two parts of this that really, um, that really uh, ground my gears, for lack of a better term. Um, I, uh, one was, I think, how we still the mocking that people that people that some people in some certain circles went through towards the people on who rely on OnlyFans for their for their income um and not even maybe just rely on it but just have one and two um the lack of care and empathy that went in to this decision by OnlyFans the lack of transparency and how much it kind of fucked people up yeah. for five days and how I still don't know where that leaves a lot of people, especially those who rely on OnlyFans. Um, I, I, and we, we, we talked about this in the last episode, not to yeah. keep referencing something you might never hear. Um, but I, uh, but what, what really bothered me about the initial announcement was the way it was announced was that there's this um, guy on Twitter that just reposts Bloomberg headlines, right? And so there's this Bloomberg headline that goes like from the Bloomberg Wire that says, um, only fans to ban sexual explicit content from their from their service. And people are like, wait, what? Like, that seems crazy. They wouldn't do that. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, you get the actual story from Bloomberg with a quote from OnlyFans being like, on October 1st, about a month and a half from when they, when, from when they make this announcement, we're going to ban explicit content. We'll be in touch with our creators 
in the future in the near future to tell them what that what that actually entails so you have it, it, from let's let's go from perspective of like you're someone maybe you have an only fans maybe like or you know whatever you've just found out through bloomberg news that only fans is going to ban explicit content without actually any sense of what that means but it's going to happen in a month and a half. So you're just freaking out about whether or not your income stream is cut off. Like you don't know like what content's going to be preserved, like what's going to happen and the timeline to shift all your stuff over to another similar platform is condensed to the point of logical impossibility. And like, and for OnlyFans to like not clarify that day what that policy meant, or like even the next two days. And to be clear, they never really clarify. Not really. I I don't think they ever really like they. Oh no, they did. They did eventually clarify what it meant, and basically was like you could do you could like show dick, and like you couldn't show hole, but like mate, but butt was fine, but you couldn't masturbate. Which still to me leaves a like enough wiggle room but that's confusing for a lot of people. I agree I agree and it's kind of like well what like what the fuck and then you basically give them a month to figure all this out and there's a like during the pandemic a ton of people started using OnlyFans there's a lot of creators who started using OnlyFans. yeah like this news definitely comes at a time like you can argue the bubble burst a while ago once like all these celebrities started moving over to OnlyFans just to sell like exclusive content and like I mean we we talked not to reference last episode or like the last episode a ton but like we were talking about how like Beyonce references OnlyFans in the Megan the Stallion Savage remix and how that really symbolized how like saturated the market in how basically like how mainstream it got and there was there was this i was listening to a podcast with this um uh i think i think he's like a legit just legit porn and he uh has an only fans and he said as soon as i heard that that um that verse on the uh the, on by beyonce i started to adjust for fans just in case because yeah. the thing i've learned about sex work is that if it seems too good to be true, it won't last. And that we are the first people that, ever, that always get thrown under the bus. And I remember hearing that and being like, that seems a little hyperbolic, you know, like that's okay, like let's calm down, right? And then to see see it play out with OnlyFans, it's like, oh shit, no, that was completely correct. Oh, it, like it could be taken away at a moment's notice. Like it just, and I guess, so the, the decision that they, or like the justification behind the decision that they, that OnlyFans officially gave was that like, they were having trouble financing it basically with like these, like people like MasterCard and Visa, like these more, let's say established creditors. Right. Which, does that pass the smell test to you? No, it doesn't. Um, so I think, I think the issue is with credit card transactions like that was like, I think it's like, cause if I put a credit card in, right? Like there's a, I, this is like now someone who's listening to this is actually in like, in like the world of credit cards and financial markets and like you idiots, you know? Um, 
I, th I think whatever it was, it was like, it was something with, it was something specifically about the, about who, like who is not in charge of their credit card transactions, but kind of like the people, like the way in which you filter money from the, from the fans to the performers, right? Um, and, but they had 1.2 billion in liquid cash last year, right? Yeah. Like I, I, you, you cannot like, and this was such a big decision, right? Like this decision would have completely changed OnlyFans. And you cannot, and like, you, you're, you're, so you're telling me, this is why it doesn't pass the smell test. You're telling me that a bunch of people on the board of OnlyFans or the, you know, have to make a decision that we have to, unfortunately, because our credit card companies are, that we, that we use are pressuring us to do so, we need to stop allowing sexually explicit content on their platform. That should be a big decision. That should and be basically immediately too. Immediately, they're saying right? Yeah. So you would think that they tried every other option to not do that, right? Because again, they had 1.2 billion in liquid cash last year that that's like going to go away yeah. if you change this policy very quickly. Um, and you would only do it if you had no other choice. And then five days later, you somehow find indep like independent creditors that can somehow somehow, like, yeah. somehow do this. <laughs> like it, it, it's very apparent if you read between the lines that they just did not realize how much sex work income fuels their platform like it's a grave miscalculation on their part i don't know how they maybe assess the demographics and the occupations of like who is using OnlyFans, but to make this colossal of a miscalculation is mind-blowing to me like both in just like making the decision in the first place and then like reversing it so quickly. I'm like, you guys did not do any market research into this at all, clearly. It's just so weird because it's such a big decision, yeah. right? Like it is, it is such a big de decision. Like, I don't, I don't, like this is, I like the perfect Adam McKay movie is the five days like at, like at OnlyFans corporate when yeah. this went down. Like, like, I need to know what happened. No, right absolutely. Helen. Like, I think, so. Starring Glenn Close for her. Yes, yeah, starring Glenn, Glenn Close. And starring Amy Adams as Bella Thorne, the woman who, <laughs> who kicked the first domino down. Um, and I guess, no, like, Bella Thorne's actually a good nexus. Because, like, that's when she joined OnlyFans a year or two ago, made a million dollars in a day and promptly basically crashed their payout system so that actual sex workers couldn't get their justified funds or whatever. That really seemed like the beginning of the end, just because it showed like how faulty this platform was to begin with and how obviously like more quote unquote, like high profile celebrity content creators and performers were going to get way more attention and like coddling from the service proper than the masses who actually like the sex workers the, the legit sex workers who were actually using as their like in, their main income stream within this field like there's a big difference between let's say like need-based 
performance on this app and like vanity based performance. And I don't want to make blanket assumptions about this. Like not all sex workers are like desperate to do this and like are like solely reliant on like OnlyFans as their like only income or whatever. Like that's not what I'm saying here, but like there's a big difference between someone like Bella Thorne trying to like sell like exclusive pictures of her Taz or like or even her dogs. I don't even know what she was selling what there. Did she post? Like, what did I don't she know. Post? I didn't subscribe. Versus like someone else, you know, like I don't know, like Greg McKeon like posting his ass or like getting fucked in the woods or something. Um, I um I uh but like when Beyonce says might start an OnlyFans, she's not doing like the, the implicit suggestion is there not so Beyonce can sell her makeup tips, you yeah. know, for $9.99 a month. No, and like, you're not watching her get like plowed either <laughs> like, like she's probably like she would probably just it would be like tasteful side boob if that but, i would assume and the, but like i guess if if only fans wanted to make this a platform that is like to rebrand themselves that is for influencers to you know like premium subscriber premium subscription to their like products one that already exists that twitter's already about to do it yeah. So like you're already behind there. And like places like Patreon and like exactly all the Stitcher, like all these places, like there are content exclusive platforms. Exactly. And when, yeah. if, if someone says I have an OnlyFans, like your thought is not like there's a ubiquity with sort of the oh. that. Right? Yeah, like, she's I, not doing like home tours or whatever. Right, like exactly. yeah. <laughs> this is a new version of Cribs, right? Like on my OnlyFans. <laughs> like there's like there, like, and so if that was it, that's they're like 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 it or not that's the brand they found themselves in they have to be okay with that and they have to understand what made their platform so successful to begin with it did feel like to me there was a shame that almost went into this idea of them having a subscription service for sex workers which is so fucked up it is fine Um, that's just the i mean the you know we've seen like both like with how OnlyFans treated this situation and how a lot of the public responded like there is this huge stigma around sex work still, which like we knew was there, but to like see so many people online joke about like, oh, like now no one's going to post their titty pics anymore. Like what are you going to do now? Like it's I saw, I saw so, so callous. Many, I saw so many people post like pictures of a McDonald's application. One, which is like, fuck you working at McDonald's is actually probably super tough. So, yeah. Like, shut up there there's like that that like classist implication that like sex work is like demeaning and like low like low rent low wage or whatever which is like i horrible i, I like the thing that like there's there's this twitch streamer and if you don't know what twitch is twitch is a um streaming service where you can uh, watch people um play video games and there's this guy he's the number one for play fortnite player in the world he makes all of his money on twitch and he's like, well, guess they gotta get real jobs now. And it's like, dude, you play video games for a living yeah. on the internet. Like, so like other, one other kids can watch you play video games. Like, have a like have a little bit of empathy for someone else's situation. Also, look, if someone is paying them to show their ass and tit ass titties, whatever, yeah, like great. That's their money. That like good. And like that doesn't make you any better because you get paid so people can watch you like play Fortnite. Yeah, I like if any like you know the main takeaway here is that 
you know, sex work is valid. And the other main takeaway is that sex work is more valid than playing video games for a living. To me, to me. I love video games. I'd much rather jack off to good porn than watch some like kid with a neck beard play Fortnite. Ugh, yeah. Sorry, like, don't. And there's just so much like, I mean, like not to get, this is a whole other avenue, but like there's so much toxicity in like gamer culture and like streaming culture too. Like, isn't that like PewDiePie guy? He's it's a streamer, so right? And he's like a Nazi. It is so <laughs> bad. It's it's one of those things where I'm I'm a very, very serious gamer and gaming, gaming, the gaming culture makes me extremely uncomfortable. And I hate being a gamer because the, because the toxicity around in the community, we must remove toxic from gaming. <laughs> must, remove. <laughs> must remove toxic from gaming is <laughs> just so vile. I mostly stay away from streamers because most of them are awful people. Yeah. Um, I am one of my, I don't even know, I should probably, well, one of my, I'm, I teach screenwriting, actually, one of my students is writing a script about, um, about this, and it's actually, it's really, it's, it's, it's really good, it's a really interesting idea, I, but I, I think, like, it's really un, un, it, it's undiscussed, like, in the macro, if you're not in the community, just how toxic the gaming community is, especially when it comes to, to women, yeah um gays lesbians people of color queer people there's so many like it there's so many different layers that i would love to get into probably not with you because it would bore you but like about about the fat like how fucked up this community is yeah to see someone who is a big person who a lot of kids look up to for reasons I don't really understand, but they do to say this and demean sex workers this way, who are, are yeah. in a state of shock about what yeah. about what they just went through is so fucked up. It's no coincidence that like all the groups that you just mentioned are huge components of like your demographic components of the performers on OnlyFans. Like there are a lot of spaces on OnlyFans for like femme performers, gay performers, queer performers, like people who do not fit into this like, you know, cishet, white, patriarchal, whatever, not to like say patriarchy on this podcast, but like it's, it is like a space where people can like leverage their identities for financial gain in a very base way. And I I remember one time I saw someone in a group chat because if you're gay, I don't know if you know this, you have seven, at least seven group chats. Yeah. And one of them is always named like, girlies, unicorns, like power hour. And the other one is like, one of them is always named like disgusting cum slut faggots. <laughs> that fail. Um, Fat hole incorporated. <laughs> That's what we are. The piss pig sluts. And then it's like picnic Curious, friends, picnic ever. friends. Then it's like, then, it, then, it, it's like it's, then it's like Shangela's wig. I um I I remember I got sent once this video of this old lady um older this older woman who was like basically like showing her tits on um on a a video and like the copy was sort of ridiculous because like most of the copy in my dream job is to write any copy in one of those like porn accounts that like comes up with the, the like what is happening in the video like i my dream right and so the copy was insane and that was the whole joke and then i kind of went into the tweet i saw that all these people were making fun of this woman right and i kind of was like my initial reaction was sort of to do the same right and then i found her twitter account and i started going through it 
And then realizing this woman was also like, she was doing this for money. Um, she had an entire, like you could kind of get a sense of her backstory from, from the GoFundMe that she had. Um, she was, she was, uh, she was kind of like up, she was uh, retweeting all these other sort of accounts of older women who are on, uh, on OnlyFans. And I was like, oh my God, she's providing a service to people who are, who, who are either into older women or, you know, are older men or older women who, you know, enjoy, like enjoy someone their own age. And I got really mad at myself for sort of like that initial scoff about how ridiculous this was, because it's not ridiculous. And that, and I, I, I try, I'm trying to be better about, about that, that initial judgment. But I think that a lot of people still are like that. And OnlyFans is a good platform. Cause like, yeah, I mean, not, look, like no studio is making like not a lot of studios make that type like a glut of that type of porn. But with OnlyFans, you can get that, which is amazing. Yeah, there it, there's a wide enough pool that there's something for everyone. Obviously, there's like you know there's a financial gateway to access. Like you have to actually pay for it. Whereas like I mean, which is harder than just going on to some like tube site, I guess. Right. But like you're also like directly supporting creators for the most part and you're finding what you want to find if you want to find it and you know in a perfect world on paper like that's like a better content creator consumer dynamic the problem is though is that the i mean at the end of the day this platform is just so fucked up and like can be taken away at any time which we didn't think could necessarily happen but like very clearly can. Yeah. It's not like, you know, if you like with Twitch, not to keep going back to Twitch, just because like they provide similar services, if you really break down what they provide people, um, there's other there's other things you can do besides Twitch, right? Twitch mm-hmm. is the Xerox of gaming streaming, just like OnlyFans is the Coca-Cola of soda. Um, but uh, it's I, there are other platforms like just for fans for my fans and all this stuff but i don't like having subscribed to one or two in my life like they're not as like they're one not as popular yeah and social studies show that if you have your credit card saved somewhere you're so much more likely to buy something else from that same website than having to put your credit card in again so asking all these people to move to a different website that wasn't as used is just putting such a burden on people to rebuild and, their cyber base and these websites don't work as well the the wasn't like wasn't as used doesn't even begin to cover it like no uh, when <clears throat> the initial decision was announced by OnlyFans, like the gay film performer, Ty Mitchell, who has a very good follow on Twitter, um, talked about how his Just for Fans base, which he had established at more or less the same time as OnlyFans, more or less only had like 40% of his OnlyFans subscribers. Like the monopoly OnlyFans has on this particular sector cannot be overstated. Like, like, and I'm not sure if people would transfer over. And that process, like, for the creator side of things, it's hard to move all your stuff over because, like, you have to get approved. Like, you have to go jump through all these hoops to actually, you know, set yourself up somewhere. And the whole reason that's I, hard. Sorry, sorry to me to cut you off. It is hard. The whole reason I subscribe to this OnlyFans is because uh, this Just for Fans was because one of my favorite subscribers doesn't have an OnlyFans. He has yeah. Just for Fans. Not favorite subscribers. Sorry. My fav- one of my favorite porn stars. Yeah. Sorry. My, one of my faves has only, has only Just for Fans. 
And then he was tweeting after this announcement being like, this is why I decided to only go to Just for Fans. And I was, I was like, I get it. Like, I do, I get it. Yeah. And he was, he was like, people called me crazy, but I was right. And I was like, probably. Now also, please respond to my DMs. <laughs> right, right. Pick me. Pick um, me. No, I, I, for you. <laughs> no, but like at the end of the day, though, like, I think the best thing any content creator on OnlyFans can do is have a backup plan. Like, because this could happen again at any time. Like, the like you know the language that OnlyFans used when they were talking about like rescinding this decision was it was they were suspending this right which I'm sure for the legalese of it all right like they have to say that word but like that does imply that at any time yeah they could change their minds again and like cut everyone out so like I hope that all the people who really rely on OnlyFans for sex work income specifically have a a viable enough backup plan on another platform that if and when they do something this drastic again, they're prepared. Agreed. Because this, it's a really shitty situation to have like the sword of Damocles over you at any given time. And like, the monopoly on this situation is owned is a company that might not even want to be in this business like in yeah. a year, which is wild. It yeah, it, it I don't I, I don't know. I mean, like you'd really think that like I cannot see what the financial downsides of continuing to support like their industries are necessarily. Like, I don't know what skin in the game MasterCard and Visa have against sex work except just like general stigma like i think it's a mix of live of the of liability both real but also perceived yeah and then i think also stigma that goes into that perceived liability i guess that makes sense but like i mean wouldn't you think that like internet like website hosting services like i mean i only know GoDaddy off the top of my head i don't even know if GoDaddy's still a thing but like wouldn't GoDaddy want to take down like a porn tube site from their servers or whatever out of liability too? Like that feels like much more of a lawless territory because you can just upload whatever. I mean, like, I don't know the verifying and vetting that goes into that, but like at least OnlyFans, like, you know, you can't be like a non or whatever on that platform. Like you have to provide like age verification and stuff for everything. This this was the big thing with Pornhub, why Pornhub had to take down so many videos was because of this. Also a lot of like the big gag with a lot of those streaming sites is a lot of those streaming sites are owned by like MindGeek. MindGeek yeah. being the, the Toronto or, or uh, Montreal-based company that owns a significant share of the porn studios in the, like the online porn studios in the world. Oh. Um, so like a lot of times they use those websites specifically to try to drive people to their paid subscriptions, um, which is weird, but also yeah. like Sean Cody is owned by MindGeek. You can get Sean Cody videos illegally on Pornhub, but also the advertisements on Pornhub R for or whatever R for Sean Cody. That's so I had no idea about any of that. Yeah. That's okay. nefarious. I, I don't know how it's nefarious, but if it, it is nefarious, it's nefarious like, somehow. And a lot I, of those why aren't there more movies about like the porn industry and stuff? I mean, Boogie Nights is obviously like a classic, but that's like there needs to be like 
a movie about like the digital porn age that's not like fucking king cobra or something like i one the girl next door is a fantastic film two where alicia cuthbert first uh like uses her comedic chops two i want to know everything about like the woman who works in payroll at sean cody yeah um because every single person i know who's ever worked in payroll is a very specific type of person um who like loves purple and i just need to know like who the person is that's like cutting the checks at seancody.com like yeah. i want to know like the person who does like the normal business like start, like who's the office manager who buys the snacks right yeah. or like i like uh, or of like the production office right like i need like i need to know i i, I want to know those people's stories because it is a job and like someone has to do it i'm like so curious about like what it is when you do something so banal but in such an an industry that isn't banal it, it isn't banal but like and yet i think how corporatized it actually is was like made very apparent during this whole brouhaha not to use that word but like like everything is so tightly regulated and monetized these days that like it it is corporate now like something that feels so like illicit and stuff like there's so much like monetary oligarchy behind the scenes that like if you we just can a- we we can tune it out because we're not necessarily participating in it to the like we're only participating in it on like a passive consumer level right so if you ever want to have fun for like 20 minutes, go to MindGeek, MindGeek's corporate website and try to figure out how long it takes you for them to reference porn um, on their website, especially on their job application part of their site. Oh God, yeah. Really, really funny. They like do every, they use every single euphemism under the sun to, and like their logo is like a little light, light bulb. It's Ooh, so funny. Cute. Yeah. Well, when I'm looking for my summer internships, uh, I know I'll hit mine geek up and I'll there you fly go. to Montreal and just see what awaits. But, all right. I think we have to move on to our final segment. Um, Let's do it. We're going to play tear the community apart. So you have torn the community apart before, both on this podcast and off. So you know the rules, but for new listeners, this is a pretty simple game. I have picked two songs and you are going to tell me which one is better. Okay. Easy. Right. So today I have picked two 80s influenced, 80s inflected songs from the mid 2000s by two of our absolute finest musical stars. Okay. In a younger phase of their career, pre-imperial phase, but you could tell that greatness was just around the corner for both of these people. So which song is better? SOS by Rihanna or Sweet Dreams by Beyonce? A profound silence has entered the chat. I think SOS. Wow. I think I agree with you, but what's your justification here? I... I... So I am, I've, I've always been like Navy adjacent, okay. um, like the reserve corpse. 
uh, Reserve Corps, of course, the Reserve <laughs> Corps of the Navy. Um, so I've always like had a soft spot for Rihanna and her music. Um, and this isn't just because I'm nostalgic for when she used to release it. Um, right, I, right. You're, you're in that, you're Navy adjacent, you're on shore leave right now. Like you're waiting to be deployed again. Waiting to get deployed. You've had a five-year fleet week. <laughs> I, I love the idea that like all these Rihanna stands are like in some port town for five years. <laughs> I know they're they're all in like little sailor suits in Providence, just like waiting for the day they can get back on their cruiser. I don't know. I just think like there's something about Rihanna's voice mixed with SOS and its lyrical comp and it, it's sort of the composition of it um, and the beat. I just find and the aesthetics of it. I just find like a real like. I think right now, I, pr- I probably have listened to SOS more than I've listened to Sweet Dreams. Um, and that's not to say Sweet Dreams is a bad song. I think there's something, sometimes, okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think Rihanna has more fun songs than Beyonce. I think that's, I think that is almost like I don't see how you could argue that Beyonce has more fun songs. Like Beyonce has extremely fun songs like Blow and Single Ladies and Countdown. And even stuff that isn't like as no, as like well known, like school in life. Like yeah, you're no, like, there's a lot of there yeah. are some really fun Beyonce songs. But Rihanna until anti basically yes. made seven straight albums of nothing but fun music she was like this could be a single this could be a single yeah this could be a single this it was like it was like them making rumors and there that i think that is the difference between like rihanna was really trying to make like radio radio pop for a long time until anti and beyonce at some point within the past like 10 years evolved into like something a little bit more like esoteric right um and i think at the end i made that Sorry, I made the rumors uh, joke because um, uh, when they were making rumors, their goal was to have the entire, any single song on the album could be a single. Right. That was their goal going, going right. that was their goal, stated goal going into it. I'm sure making SOS, there was more marijuana than Coke. Um, just to transition from right. back to Rihanna. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I don't know. I just like, there's something about Rihanna's music and SOS also that I, I, would, I, would, I would sort of put into this. I just think is... It's, I have to be in a very, like with Beyonce and especially like as she's transitioned to like a more esoteric artist, she's an amazing artist, but I have to be in a very, I have to be in a specific type of headspace to listen to her music and really appreciate it. I agree. But like I could, I, I would put SOS and that, and Sweet Dreams is not like a, is not like part of the high art that I think Beyonce oh. is from. No, absolutely. It's about as like throwaway radio pop fluffy as she ever got. But I think I think sometimes Rihanna is a little bit better at that, and I, I think, think that's where SOS has the edge. There. I agree. I agree. Like, I mean, there. Yeah, I I agree with that. Like, if we're just comparing that, like, even just like that electro pop one to one comparison between like Beyonce's like more like dancey music forays versus Rihanna's, Rihanna's are way better. Yeah. Like, Only Girl in the World, way better. We found love way we better. Found love is, we found love is so good. Even S and M, even yeah. though like uh um even though um Perez Hilton's in the video like yeah. I don't care like fantastic song yeah fantastic Rivia, like, 
Oh, incredible. Uh, like, uh, uh, Don't Stop the Music. Like, Rihanna's very good at that sort of dance pop. And I, I mean, she's never going to go back to doing it. But like, um, if she could if she Rihanna, wanted to. She'd be great. If you are Rihanna listening to this podcast or a faggot that knows Rihanna, mm-hmm. I need you to call her and tell her to release new music. She's been teasing it for a long time. I don't, I don't know. I mean... Well, I mean, Beyonce should be releasing new stuff soon, too, though she's actually talked about how she is in the studio, like recording, putting final touches on stuff like at least Beyonce is keeping us fed, even though it's been a long she's her last solo album was six or five years ago, too. Rihanna, look like Rihanna might have driven past his studio the other day. Maybe, <laughs> the, and then maybe that's the closest. She looked at it and she thought about stepping in and she was like, no, I'm gonna go to Monty's Good Burger. We're done here. Like she put in the wrong address in her GPS. That's the closest she's come to a recording, being inside a recording studio. In oh, God, she is missed every day. She is really missed every day. At least her Insta is popping, and like we are getting the Fenty Savage show next week. Um, shout out to friend of the pod, former guest for the boys who worked on the show. I'm so excited to watch it. Um, that's coming out and that's basically just one long music video right. which i'm she's excited not dead. Good. <laughs> no she's doing stuff it's just that like we're not you know we're not putting on savage fenty lingerie to go out like we're not the audience for her current right. ventures right because i think her male pajamas are said with love to her but fucking ugly so like you know it's just not for us right and that's fine she doesn't have to she's done enough for us but like if you're going to say like you're releasing a new album every three months for five years, like just put it out. Like you could be like Gaga who like kept getting bothered about Chromatica, put it out, did no promo for it whatsoever. And just no one cared anymore. Cause now we have house of Gucci coming out. So what was the, what was the tweet where she was like, I got to ask if I'm pregnant. Yeah. I'm pregnant with LG six. And that was a full 18 months before that album saw the light of day. We got, <laughs> We got no tour. We got, what, two music videos, three music videos. We got three music videos and a VMA's performance in that was it. That was it. I, I do think one more thing about Rihanna. Mm-hmm. Rihanna, sometimes the question gets asked, what is the best tweet of all time? Right. And there's a lot of really good, yes. there's a lot of really good contenders. I think um, I know where you're going with this. And one of my favorite Twitter, like, I mean, there's like, like the one, like, uh, the one that comes closest is uh, Kirstie Alley. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one that comes closest is Kirstie Alley, um, where uh, Stephen Hawking died, and she was like, you had a good go of it, dot, 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 thanks for your input. And <laughs> just a picture of Stephen Hawking. Iconic. <laughs> Which, like, to me, is just like, I, like just iconic in all the best ways. Yeah. Um, I, I think Rihanna though had this interaction with Sierra. I think was it 2011? Uh it was 2011. Um, I and I think it was it was uh it was Sierra said something like, trust me, you don't want to see me on or off the stage. And then Rihanna was like, good luck booking that stage, you speak yeah. Up. Uh, total ether you just can't recover from that i i commemorated the this interaction the 10-year anniversary of this interaction a few months ago on twitter and got 
dragged by Sierra stands. Like they have not forgotten this. That I don't know how they even found me because I did not tag. I screenshotted the original interaction. People are sore about this still. Like this was this was a a, a mortal blow. Mortal combat. Fatality. Do you remember when Sierra got served papers while she was on stage? <laughs> She's had a rough go of it. Like, uh, do you remember, like, when I, because I'm a little older than you, I remember specifically in high school, I think it was, I must have been like a, 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 like a freshman. And I think Goodies was on. Was, was Goodies 2003? That was 2004. And you don't Four. want, you don't want to know where I was in 2004. So. I was 14. Uh, and I remember someone being like, oh yeah, it's Sierra. She's, she's a dick. And maybe like, what? That's crazy. And then, I was watching TRL. I used to watch TRL with the door closed and the volume very low so my parents could hear it because mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't allowed to watch MTV. And I was like watching TRL and Sierra was on and they asked her about the rumor that she had a penis. Yeah. It was like, I can't believe she it. Was, like- that was a weird rumor. I remember that going around too. Because so One Two Step was the second song I ever downloaded on my iPod, my original iPod. And I remember some kid at school telling me that same rumor. I was like, oh, this is really weird. And I guess that was my first, the first time I ever knew what transphobia was. And then Gaga had to deal with that five years later too. It's such a weird rumor. And I don't understand why like people do that. Like It was was such a weird 2000s rumor that like, thankfully, I don't think I have not heard that like expressed. Like, no, uh, you couldn't. Uh, no, like, like I, it's just so nonsensical to express in the first place, too. Like, why pick Sierra? Like, <laughs> why Gaga? Like, two like beautiful. Like, I, it just doesn't under. It doesn't compute to me to be immediately like try to tear them down and be rude and mean like that. Unless you're like, unless you're Rihanna, then you can be rude to me. It's just so yeah. transphobic to say that. Like I am very just, transphobic. Yeah, I'm and not. we all were kind of, and like everyone like at my high school was like, oh yeah, Sierra has a penis. I remember being like, okay, and if she did, she's still serving. So what now? True. You couldn't make one two step, Kayla. Kayla, who told you that? Well, on that note, okay. I think we do have to wrap up today. <laughs> Um, but I mean, truly what the biggest treat to have you on Always twice a in a week too. I mean, like who Always a pleasure, Drew. You can have me back on whenever you want. Absolutely. Open invitation. Um, where can people find you on social media? And they should, because your content is chef, Italian chef's kiss. That's my culture. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. What if, what if I were Streganona? What would you say then? What would you say about that? You don't know I'm not Italian. She's a, she's the icon. She is the moment. What if I were Italian this whole time and you just had been erasing my Italian ex-identity? What then? then? I'm mad that you have never helped me in a group chat as people have attacked me looking like the Italian chef from Chuck E. Cheese. Oh no. Well, I'm not Italian, so I'm going <laughs> to let you, I'm going to let them attack you. I'm going to let I'm going to stand by and say nothing. Um, if you uh, want to follow me, um, if you want to hear me talk about politics, my Twitter is uh, at Tyler Dinucci, T-Y-L-E-R-D-I-N-U-C-C-I. Um, if you'd like to see me shirtless, my Instagram is uh, at Danuch, D-A-A-A-N-U-C-H.
Incredible. Um, if you'd like to see my shirt on, you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at FKA Pigs with a Z. Um, my shirt is also still on on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Z's instead of S's. And I do post my nudes. I'm kidding. No, I post cultural writing on culturepig.substack.com. Um, you can subscribe there for free weekly newsletters that will go directly to your inbox, um, most of which are about pop music and the other half of which are about Lily James and which drug she's is or is not allegedly doing at any given time. So if that interests you at all, take a look. But um, yeah, thank you so much again for being here. Like, oh, a me. joy, a giggly little joy, like much like Colby uh, Calais, Calais. Oh. I'm feeling bubbles from my head to my toes. <laughs> Your toes. I tingle in my nose. All right. That's not even the song. All right. <laughs> Bye.